Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Holy Talk. Email holytalkpodcast at gmail.com for more information. We are live on Zoom. Shalom, Daniel. Shalom. shalom, shalom. Welcome to Holy Talk. Rabbi Tuli, how are you doing over there? A uh, lot to talk about today. A lot to talk about. Good to talk to you, my friend. It's been a, been a couple of days. Always great to see you. Always great to talk to you. Um, yes, the last Torah portion was incredible. We had an incredible time. Um, and a lot can happen. They always say, when I was in Israel, um, that every day that you guys would tell us while we were there, every time I go there, they tell me, anything can happen at any moment in Israel. <laughs> that is <laughs> so true. Expect anything to happen. And so this week we had this big, big, big news with the uh, United uh, Arab Emirates, which is short for U- uh, UAE, is short for that um, treaty. And that was huge. I think it took you guys by surprise. It took the Christians all over the world by surprise. We were surprised. And Rabbi Truly, I have gotten more emails and calls on this uh, than anything else at any time of, of Holy Talk podcast. And not only from Holy Talk, but we know we run a ministry called the Wave Ministries. And everyone was getting a hold of us to that. So really today, uh, Rabbi Tully, I felt like we just needed to ask you and talk to you. And you wrote an incredible article, by the way, uh, yesterday. And we're going to put that in our show notes uh, in our podcast on the Jerusalem Post. Um, so there's a lot to talk about. And you can start wherever you want. But it's an incredible time right now. Well, first, let me welcome our viewers from Breaking Israel News. This is being uh, broadcast live on Breaking Israel News Facebook page. I know that, uh, that Breaking Israel News uh, readers and viewers are very interested in what's going on in Israel from a news perspective. Holy Talk podcast is our weekly opportunity to discuss the Torah portion of one rabbi with one pastor sharing our common love for the Bible together, our common love for Israel. But this week, uh, like you said, caught us all off guard, caught us all by surprise. It was actually last Thursday after the work week here in Israel ended. I was uh, on my way home and, you know, I got a Fox News alert on my phone. Trump is announcing peace in Israel. And I was like, you know, <laughs> and you and Israel going what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So leave it to Donald Trump to just you know pull a <laughs> rabbit out of that hat. And uh, it was already you know everyone had left for the day, and so of course I called our, our news team, and we quickly scrambled and um, we put out you know also a video. Uh, we had different perspectives, and we're able to analyze the issue as it was unfolding, which uh, was very exciting to be a part of history. I really felt, and I, I told my kids, you know, you guys got to watch this. You know, I want you to watch what the president is doing right now. This is amazing. This is an amazing day for Israel, for the region, for the world. And um, so basically Israel, you know, President Trump announced that Israel and the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, had made a peace treaty. The first time Israel made a peace treaty with any Arab country in 26 years since uh, the peace treaty with Jordan. And I remember 26 years ago, sorry, I guess I was 14, I was at Columbus Torah Academy. 
um, I get, what grade would I have been in? I guess ninth grade or something like that, right? And uh, they, you know, they called an assembly on No Bixby Road. You know where you know where that school is, Dan? I exactly know where that school is. Absolutely do I do. Yes. I they called an assembly. Everybody came to the library, and they said, "There's a history unfolding. We want you all to watch it." So they rolled in one of those television sets, you know, <laughs> with the big, the big, big the big ones. <laughs> with like a strap around it so it wouldn't fall off the dolly. And uh, we all gathered around and watched, you know, that peace accord. And really, I mean, was, you know, Israel only has peace with Jordan, Egypt, and now the United Arab Emirates. It's a really, really big deal. And, you know, for the, my children, it's the first time in their lifetime. And, um, you know, I really do believe that, look, the peace treaty with Jordan was not, uh, what we were hoping for, you know, you don't have necessarily warm relations between Israel and Jordan. However, uh, at least there's no, there's no war, you know, and yeah. at, least, yeah. at least Israel and Jordan are cooperating very closely on secure, security issues, on energy issues, and um, maybe a few other things. That's, those are the two big ones, but I think that when it comes to the UAE, because um, of, you know, we're in a different era. Israel is a different country than it was in the 90s. This was a much stronger country. And um, in the Gulf, you know, the Gulf Arabs are different than the sort of the Palestinian, Jordanian, Egyptian Arabs. And so it could be that this really will lead to a much warmer peace than we've experienced uh, with Jordan or with Egypt. Let me ask you this. I, as I looked at the Jordan and the Egypt one, Rabbi Tuli, for the, for the Christians that are listening to this all over the world, there, was a, there is a difference as you read this treaty. treaty. As you read the treaty with UAE, this, it seems like it's going to be a more robust, a more, I mean, the exchanging of technology, uh, the, re, the, the push to want right away to trade. Um, and I think what you said is very important. I believe Israel is the technology capital of the world, right? Everyone knows the technology that, that's coming out of Israel that I think everyone is just coveting and wants. Um, but the fact that, that you know, ex if you can explain a little bit what you see the difference between those two treaties of Egypt and Jordan, that they were great treaties, but this seems to be a little bit different to me. Am I, am I looking wrong at that, Rabbi Tulio? Is this one seem to be a little bit more robust, more bigger, more bigger news? Well, you know, God willing, it will be different, bigger, uh, like you said, but really only God knows. This is something that a lot of people in Israel are very weary of and suspicious gotcha. of. It's, uh, it's not without, you know, controversy. Um, and people um, are certainly in like the, Jew the religious community, the right wing community um, who I identify with. Some of us or some of them, I guess, are upset because um, because the annexation because of the annexation issue, and feel that um, Israel compromised, you know, for a piece of paper, and um, you know what is really what are we going to really get? We're not really, you know, we're not seeing. Um, it's not realistic to believe that we're going to get this, you know, warm peace, and it's just a piece of paper. We could have annexed the entire, you know, Judean Samaria, which would have been much more practically 
beneficial for Israel, the several hundred thousand people who live there. This is our biblical heartland. And, uh, and so a lot of people are very upset, disappointed that, um, that now annexation is off the table. So I want so to pause there, pause there one yeah. second, because I, I want to really, really get, because we mentioned annexation, uh, people are going to read about between annexation and sovereignty and what that really means. And what was the deal that Trump's cabinetry was working on with Israel that, you know, so that, again, I, I want to just take baby steps because I want everyone to really understand what was happening before this treaty. What were we looking for in that July 1st date, right? Because that was a big date and it came and went. So I think if we can back up a little bit and really explain to folks, what was, what, what was, what was the expectation in Israel in the treaty that, that you thought was being worked on and then July 1st date came and went and now we have this so what does that mean with the annexation of sovereignty? What does all that mean? Right. Okay. So, uh, you know, good question. And there's no question that's like, you know, too basic. I, and I just wanted to allow anybody on Facebook who is uh, paying attention, who's listening, if you want to ask a question, you can leave it in the comments on Facebook. I see, uh, I see some of the comments that are here. Uh, we have people from Indonesia who are watching and I guess America um, from all over the world, which is exciting. But so President Trump, in the three and a half years that he's been in the White House, look, the guy is uh, kind of a loose cannon and certainly, you know, have issues with how he's dealt with uh, a lot of the things recently in America. However, when it comes to Israel, it's, uh, it's very clear that he is the most pro-Israel president that we've ever had. And so I don't want to take that away from him since he's been the president. So he immediately moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, he um, took America out of the Iran nuclear deal, which was the worst possible deal America ever got itself involved with. He got out of that. Um, he recognized the sovereignty of Israel over the Golan Heights and, uh, and, um, and now, and now brokered this peace treaty. So he, uh, a few months ago, basically came out and the State Department officially you know, changed its policy when it came to recognizing Judea and Samaria. And going back even further, back to the Six Day War in 1967, all of the Arab countries were literally um, threatening to exterminate Israel. This is you know, 20 years after the Holocaust. They're threatening to wipe Israel off the map. They invaded Israel, and miracle uh, of miracles, Israel not only defended itself against overwhelming force, but actually tripled the size, more than tripled the size of Israel, captured the Sinai Desert, a huge desert in mm. Egypt, uh, from Egypt, captured territory in from Jordan along the east of Israel um, and that's known as the is the West Bank okay meaning the West Bank of the Jordan River but that includes you know the, the biblical cities of, of Hebron and Shiloh and Bethel and you know many of the biblical cities um, including Jerusalem by the way Jerusalem was divided until that war yes. and Jerusalem became unified united we captured the Golan Heights from Syria and it was just an incredible miraculous victory 
Um, and uh, at the time, so the UN, you know, was watching all of this unfold and was uh, going to allow Israel to be, you know, slaughtered. All of a sudden, Israel started not only defending itself, but having the upper hand, and the world was very quick to impose a ceasefire and mm. to get Israel to, you know, to, to, to put down its weapons and to stop. And, um, and so the world, you know, kind of insisted, insisted on a ceasefire. And uh, Israel, of course, agreed to a ceasefire, always agrees to peace. And, uh, but, you know, in any kind of war, the territory that, and especially a defensive war that is captured, remains the territory of the victorious side of the war. That's just how the world works. Absolutely. So Israel got all of this land, but the, you know, the, most of the communities in the world didn't recognize the Israeli um, sovereignty over that land. And so you know, there was a lot of UN resolutions telling Israel to give it back. And some of the land Israel did give back. In the course of peace processes, Israel gave back the Sinai Desert to Egypt. And uh, it was like the one territory where there was that oil. They found oil. Israel doesn't have, it's the one, Israel's the one territory in the Middle East without oil. In the desert, there is oil. Israel gave back the oil fields for the sake of peace with Egypt. In the hopes of a warm peace, we got a cold peace, but you know, that's our, that's our fate. Um, and so the West Bank is different because the West Bank, so, um, which the world refers to as the West Bank, we here in Israel, we refer to it as the Judea and Samaria. Judea yes. and Samaria, the kingdom of Judah in the south, the kingdom of Samaria in the north. In the, and throughout the Bible, it refers to those two kingdoms as two ancient kingdoms of Israel, and uh, where so many of the stories of the Bible actually happened. And like that was not something that any self-respecting Jewish government could negotiate on. Ju Jerusalem, we're not going to negotiate Jerusalem, you know, for the sake, we, we, it's not, you know, it doesn't work that way. You know, just like nobody would ask France to give Paris, nobody would ask United States to negotiate when it comes to Washington, D.C., Jerusalem, and Judea and Samaria are non-negotiable. However, um, again, much of the world didn't recognize officially that it belonged to Israel. It was still considered um, either occupied territories or at least disputed territories. And now again, if you were to search on the internet, there's a lot of disputed territories in the world. There's a lot of border mm -hmm. disputes in the world. And um, you know, most of it doesn't get so much attention. Every once in a while, some kind of border dispute will emerge in the news. And you know, when it came to Israel, of course, the whole world is obsessed with this border dispute. And not only that, you know, it believes that it's the source of all of the problems in the Middle East. If only Israel would give back the West Bank, then the Palestinians wouldn't be upset. All of the Arabs would embrace Israel and there would be peace in the Middle East. I mean, people actually believe that it's crazy. There's no basis in any kind of fact, but that the world is obsessed with Israel's um, settlement in the Judea and Samaria or in the West Bank. So even the State Department, even the United States, which was always an ally, um, still 
you know, kind of recognized it, kind of didn't recognize it. President Trump came and said, this is crazy. He recognizes Israel's right to sovereignty in the West Bank. Now, it's not so simple, okay, because in the Oslo Accords in the 90s, Israel at that point, in the hopes of achieving peace with the Palestinians, so carved up the Judea and Samaria into basically three areas, area A, area B, and area C. Okay, so area A is primarily where the Palestinians live, okay? Hundreds of thousands of Palestinians live there. Israel really, in order to maintain a democracy and a Jewish majority, Israel is came to terms with giving that to the Palestinians for a future Palestinian state. Area C, on the other hand, is, you know, five minutes from my house, you, you know, part of Israel, you wouldn't feel any different than you're in Tel Aviv. My sister lives there. It's just like, it's, it's, it's Jewish neighborhoods in uh, Judea and Samaria. That's called Area C. Okay, so that pretty much everybody can agree that that is no matter what part of Israel. And then there are some trickier areas that are, you know, need to be negotiated basically. And Israel has repeatedly offered to negotiate with the Palestinians and is repeatedly rejected by the Palestinians. So we unfortunately haven't made progress in terms of peace with the Palestinians, but what President Trump said was that America will recognize Israel's right to annex 30% of Judea and Samaria, meaning Area C, where the, where the Jewish people live. And um, that in itself was, a, was an achievement. We were very excited about that. Finally, after all of these years, over 50 years, this would be part of Israel, the whole world, or at least America would recognize it. And it would change certain things on the ground, but like kind of, you know, nothing major, nothing really major. It's more just about sort of like Israel has the right to determine its borders and its boundaries like any country. It was more of a, like a kind of um, an emotional argument than, you know, my, again, like I said, we have friends who live there. My sister lives there. You know, she'll continue to live there. And whether the status actually changes, um, there's sort of like those, um, what's the word, um, procedural things that if it's, you know, right now the, the military is in control, then they'll turn it over to the police. The police sort of protect Israel when it comes to Israel proper, greater Israel. The army is what protects Israel in those areas. So, but it's kind of procedural and um, that was what many were looking forward to because this is on a historic level and on an emotional level, these are our most beloved and biblical areas like Hebron where Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are buried, like uh, Shiloh where the tabernacle was for hundreds of years and where Hannah prayed for a child and where, you know, Bethel, where Jacob had his dream and he sees the ladder and ascending and descending. Like these are our heritage. This is our history. And we wanted it to be as recognized and as much of a part of the state of Israel 
as Tel Aviv, which is not a biblical city, as you know, some of you know all of the places uh, you know that most of the Jews in Israel today live are not part, don't have that same history, don't have that same heritage, and so we were looking forward to proclaiming our sovereignty over that area and having it recognized by the United States. That was the plan. And starting on July 1st, President Trump and his government in Israel um, had agreed to start rolling out annexation or sovereignty. Annexation is sort of like when you annex disputed land. Sovereignty is when you extend your control over your own land. So we like the language of sovereignty um, and others refer to it, the media certainly refers to it as annexation. That was all supposed to happen starting on July 1st. And then July 1st kind of came and kind of went and nothing happened. And then, you know, the prime minister here seemed like he was getting cold feet, but he wasn't explaining exactly all of the details. He was being a little bit evasive about it. And now it turns out we recognize, we all see what happened was that there was a pivot within the leadership, both in Israel and in America, to uh, shift from sovereignty and annexation towards peace with the United Arab Emirates. And in trying to do so, the UAE, um, who was having these negotiations with Israel, this didn't just happen out of nowhere, this has been yeah. going on for, for a couple of years, and when they saw the reaction that was um, growing in the Arab countries against annexation, they said, okay, this is a problem. We're not gonna be able to normalize relations with Israel if all of the Arabs are, are upset at Israel. And so they, they came out and they said to Israel, we want to have relations with you, but Part of the deal is that you need to table the sovereignty, the annexation issue, and um, and um, suspend those conversations for the time being. Let's move forward with our peace treaty. Let's work that out. It's going to be complicated enough, and and we'll agree to suspend annexation. And Israel decided to agree to that and so chose the peace with the UAE even at the expense of annexation. So that all happened just in the last couple of days. We're still like digesting it right now. What does it actually mean? Um, but one thing that it definitely does mean is the um, is is not you know taking the sovereignty issue off the table um, for the time being, which again, like I said, we were so close, and many here are very disappointed about that. Okay, I talked for a long time. I'm sure you have no, some questions. The, this this is great, and I want to clarify that the annexation was really only thirty percent of the Samaria, because I think a lot of times when you hear it in the news, especially out here. Uh, I think that's a worry of people. Well, they're just trying to take a whole bunch of people and, and move them all out and just try to, okay, and, and so I want to just clarify for those who are listening all over the world, all our Christian friends, because um, I've had some Christian friends that worry about that, right? They worry about the people, you know what I mean? Where are the people going to go? And 
and and and so they can be clear on that, Rabbi Tuli. We're not kicking nobody out. Nobody's going. It's only thirty percent of Judea yeah. Samaria. The only ones who are going to be kicked out maybe would have been Jews. You know that yeah. Jews would have lost some of their homes and some of their neighborhoods, but. Um, yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there when it comes to this issue. Again, the whole media is ganging up on Israel um, when it comes to the settlements in the uh, in the West Bank. But you know, no Palestinians are going to be kicked out of their houses. No one's going to be uprooted from their homes. If anything is going to, be, if anyone's losing their homes, unfortunately, it would be Jews, like what's happened before many, many times. And um, you know, so all of this would be done in a way to really ensure a lasting peace so that way the Palestinians could have, you know, their own self-governance and so that Israel could have a Jewish majority and, um, and not, you know, not have to, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important question that you, that you brought up, but, um, but that's it's only would have only been like you said that thirty percent. I think it's important for us to talk about that and 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 highlight that because again we hear the misinformation and I think one of the things that you know with Christian with our Christian brethren all over the world it, is we really have to begin to start you know first of all stay informed stay informed to Holy Talk podcast you know what I mean stay informed to people that are in the land and understand the land. And then when you go there, you know, I think one of the things that we love to do, Rabbi Tuli, is when we bring people to Israel, they get to see that people do live in harmony. You know what I mean? That there is not everywhere you see Palestinians and Israelis fighting one another, right? That this is not, this again, this is what the news shows everywhere else, but that's not the case, right? And so there are always uproars because you, you're surrounded. You know what I mean? Israel's surrounded. So there's always going to be an uproar. And in all the borders, there's always going to be tension. But it's not always a fighting situation, you know what I mean? And I think one of the things that we're trying to uh, really articulate here, and, and, and hopefully people are listening, that re is really for the peace of everyone, right? And so I think everyone wants peace, right? Uh, the Israelis, hopefully soon the Palestinians, is, that's what we're praying for, the hearts to change, to really want peace, and to, to, and, to, and to pick this back up. So I think one of the things that I want to do right now is just encourage our, our Christian friends and our Christian brothers, Rabbi Tuli, to begin to start praying that this uh, issue get brought back to the table somehow, some way, right? So that we can really move into once and for all having this annexation or having this sovereignty done um, in its proper time. Uh, so let's pray that that happens. Now, I know we talked a little bit about the UAE treaty what else are you looking forward to if you are looking forward to anything with the UAE treaty? Yeah, so I th let me just before even, I just want to, I, I want to explain that what we're hoping to get, you know, in terms of the relationships with, uh, with our, our cousins. Um, but one thing that you said is really important for Christians to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Absolutely. You know, the, the Bible says that we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's the most important thing. But it's also important to be educated because what happened, I believe, and I wrote about this yesterday in the Jerusalem Post, was that yes. basically President Trump was looking for a way to show his constituents and his voters that he delivers on his campaign promises and that he um, 
is there to defend his allies and to, you know, and um, he wanted to do something for Israel. Israel is America's best friend in the Middle East. He wanted to do something for the UAE and he wanted to have a, a foreign policy um, victory, um, especially for the evangelical voters who are so supportive yeah. of President Trump. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, everyone started talking about annexation and a lot of the media then like went to the evangelical leaders and said, you know, what do you think about annexation? And a lot of them, you know, could not articulate the issue and didn't really understand the issue. And so it became pretty clear. Some of them even went further than that. And uh, like this pastor told the New York Times that, well, really evangelicals don't care so much about annexation. And so they lost a lot of momentum. I think that Trump kind of felt like, well, then if nobody cares about this, then maybe we're barking up the wrong tree. And so that I believe is part of the reason why they shifted, which to me is a real wake up call because Israel and Israelis and Jews really, if we want to, if we want to have uh, an impact and if we, if we want, you know, if we want to uh, have America push forward the issues that are important to us, it's so important to develop meaningful relationships with evangelical Christians, with mm -hmm. those in America who have so many of the shared values that we have here in Israel, our Judeo-Christian heritage, and we can't take that for granted. You know, we're living in a really unique time. So good. Where Christians and Jews are coming together, but you got to remember that this is a, these are complex issues, and just because Christians love Israel doesn't necessarily mean that they understand the difference between Area A, Area B, Area C, and the complexities that I still am struggling with. That's complicated, you know. Yeah. Um, so number one is that's a big wake-up call that you know the Jews need to do a better job building relationships, building bridges with Christians and talking about these things that are important to both, both of us. So that, that's the one thing. So pray, yeah, pray, but also be educated. And you know, if, you're, if you are indifferent to the annexation issue, then you need to read up about it. You need to you know, do, do your homework, do your research. Don't read what you, don't believe what you, you know, see on, uh, on CNN or MSNBC. You really gotta you know, look deeply into the issues and then, you know, make sure that your elected officials understand the issues as well. So that, that's a really important thing. And I know we have a lot of Christian uh, viewers here. So for those of the, for the Christians viewers who care deeply about Israel, yeah, pray about Israel, but also make sure you're educated about what's going on here, even if it's complicated. Um, okay, now back to your last, your question. And, and with this, I think maybe we'll try to conclude because it's a big topic we can't, you know, solve everything or answer all of the questions in just 30 minutes. But I did, you know, I do um, believe that not only, you know, do we hope that there'll be trade and already they started doing R&D development and cooperation between Israel and the UAE on the coronavirus vaccine. They're already sharing um, learnings and research when it comes to fighting COVID. So that's like, you know, how, how amazing if, if God had, you know, given the world COVID in order to bring about peace in the Middle East, you know, who knows, who knows the good that will come from this really challenging and, and terrible pandemic, but that is great. They're going to have direct flights from Abu Dhabi to Tel Aviv. Fantastic. But to me, uh, what's the most important is um, 
a lesson that is in the Israel Bible in the book of Genesis. So the book of Genesis, so I have it with me here, where it talks about how um, when Abraham dies, so it's uh, Genesis 24 um, or 25, and, uh, and maybe, maybe Danny, can you see if you could find that verse while I, or you, see if you could find it while I'm, exp I'll set it up and you'll, uh, you'll bring it which, home. So which one is it? Where it says that when Abraham dies, his son Isaac and Ishmael bury him together in Hebron. Okay. okay. That if you could, so, you know, Isaac and Ishmael, Isaac is the forefather of the Jewish people. Ishmael is the forefather of the uh, Muslims. And during their lifetime, they fought and uh, Abraham kicked Ishmael out of the house. And Isaac was the, the son who Abraham made his covenant and God made his covenant with to inherit the land of Israel. And, uh, and he brings Isaac up for the sacrifice on, uh, the, on the mountain. And, uh, and then they go their separate ways. Isaac and Ishmael go their separate ways. And then Ishmael is reintroduced only at the passing of Abraham in the book of Genesis. And it says that, um, it says that they go to Hebron and they bury Abraham together. And um, is that uh, Genesis 50, 24? And Joseph said to his brother, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out to this land, the land which he swore to Abraham. And Joseph took an oath. Uh, see, Danny, your problem is that you're not reading the Israel Bible. <laughs> it's here. Let me show you. I found it in the Israel Bible. It's in Genesis chapter 25, verse okay. 9, page 61 of the Israel Bible. So look, 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 I'm going there right now. <laughs> I looked it up in the wrong one. Go ahead. So uh, it says that, um, well, it says that Isaac and Ishmael buried Abraham in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron. And, um, and, uh, it says that they, you know, that they went together to bury him. And we have a, a belief in Judaism that in the end of days, in the end of days, when it talks about all of these promises about, you know, peace and the lion and the lamb lying together and or the wolf and the lamb and you know, all of the nations coming to Israel in peace and recognizing the God together as one. So, um, we believe that that is not, you know, that's meant to be for Israel and for Ishmael, that, that just like Isaac and Ishmael reunited, we believe that in the end of days when the, when the Messiah comes, so we will reunite with our brothers, not only our cousins, our brothers. And, you know, that's amazing how they call this the Abraham Accord. They called it the Abraham Accord. And in the Oval Office, you know, David Friedman, the ambassador to... Israel, a, a, an observant Jew, you know, quoted this passage from Genesis. And he says that's called the Abraham Accord because Abraham is the father of the three great faiths. And this is a great step towards peace between the children, all of the children of Abraham. And so to me, that is my hope. Yeah, I hope that there's direct flights with Abu Dhabi, but I really hope that there's, you know, that there's peace between Israel and the Muslims because this is really what our forefather Abraham what he wants. This is what all parents want from their children. We all want our kids to be getting along. Get along. 
And, uh, and if we could make our forefather Abraham proud, and if we could do right by our father Abraham, then that would be the greatest blessing that emerges from, from this week's news events. That's so powerful. I'm leaving with two scriptures, Rabbi Julie. One, uh, Psalms 34.1, you guys can look it up, is where David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so at this point, we're just going to continue to worship. We're going to continue to praise. And, then, and another one would be Deuteronomy 12, where we just read in the Torah portion. Um, and, and one is probably your favorite verse, because it's highlighted here in, in the Israel Bible, which is verse 5. I'll read it uh, through this Bible. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there you shall go. And so um, this week's Torah portion it says it this way in the Israeli Bible, the same verse. But look only to the site that Hashem your God will choose amidst of all your tribes and his, his habitation, his dwelling place, right? To establish his name there. And so that's our prayer, that God has established his name. And as we worship and as we praise, that God begins to start doing what he does best, what we can't do with our own hands, right? There's things that he does in the background um, as we just worship and praise who he is, he does more in the background than what we ever think he does. You know what I mean? And so we're going to leave what we can do on our hands and what we can do. We say, Hashem, you do what you do best. And we worship you in the midst of all of it. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this podcast from the Holy Talk. Email holytalkpodcast at gmail.com for more information.